चुकी है प्लीज Today's reading is from Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men the angel said to the woman do not be afraid for i know that you are looking for jesus who was crucified he is not here he has risen just as he said come and see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into galilee there you will see him जय मसीह आजको बाइबल पाठ मति 28 बाट मृतकबाट येशुको पुनरुत्थान सबातपछि साताको पहिलो दिन मिर मिर उज्यालो हुँदा मरियम मग्दलिनी र अर्की मरियम चिहान हेर्न आए ठूलो भूकम्प गयो किनकि परमप्रभुका एउटा दूत स्वर्गबाट तल ओर्ले र आएर ढुङ्गो हटाएर त्यसमाथि बसे तिनको रूप बिजुली जस्तो र पोशाक हिउँ जस्तो सेतो थियो तिनको डरले ती पहरादारहरू थरथर कापे र मरे तुल्य भए तर स्वर्गदूतले ती स्त्रीहरूलाई भने तिमीहरू नडराओ किनभने मलाई थाहा छ तिमीहरू क्रुसमा टाँगिनु भएको येसुलाई खोज्दैछौ उहाँ यहाँ हुनुहुन्न किनकि उहाँले भन्नुभए बमोजिम उहाँ जीवित भई उठ्नुभएको छ आओ उहाँलाई राखिएको ठाउँ हेर तब चाँडो गएर उहाँका चेलाहरूलाई खबर देउ कि उहाँ मृतकबाट जीवित भई उठ्नुभएको छ र उहाँ तिमीहरूभन्दा अगाडि गालिलमा जाँदै हुनुहुन्छ तिमीहरूले उहाँलाई त्यहाँ देख्नेछौ हेर मैले तिमीहरूलाई भनिदिएको छु अनि तिनीहरू डर र अति आनन्दसँग झट्टै चिहानबाट निस्केर गए र उहाँका चेलाहरूलाई खबर दिन दगुरे अकस्मत येसुले तिनीहरूलाई भेटेर भन्नुभयो शान्ति तिनीहरू नजिक आएर उहाँका पाउ पक्रे उहाँलाई दण्डवत गरे तब येसुले तिनीहरूलाई भन्नुभयो नडराव गएर मेरा भाइहरूलाई गालिलमा जानु भनिदेऊ र त्यहाँ तिनीहरूले मलाई देख्नेछन् आमेन met them greetings he said they came to him clasped his feet and worshiped him then jesus said to them do not be afraid go to tell my brothers to go to galilee there they will see me while the women were on their way some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priests everything that they everything that had happened when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan they gave the soldiers a large sum of money telling them you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep if this report gets to the governor we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed 
and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. पहरादार हरु को खबर जब ती स्त्री हरु बाटे में थी कोही कोही पहरादार हरु सहर में गए रा मुख्य पुजारी हरु लाए त्यहाँ वायका घटना हरु का बारे में खबर दिए जब मुख्य पुजारी हरु धर्मगुरु रुसंगा भेला हुए तीनी हरु ले सल्ला करे रा सिपाई हरु लाए ऐसो भने रा देरे पैसा दिए तीमी हरु ले भन्नु की हमी सूती रहे को बेला वहाँलाई मनाया रहती मेरे लाइज जगह इतने सो तो वह तीन ही होले सो पैसा लिए रा सिकाये बम जिम करे रा यहूदी हरु मा आज को दिन समा यही कुरा फैलिए कुछ Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Lord, Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Antim Sundays. Ti egarai jana chela haru galil kotes dada magai jaha isule tini haru lai jani adis dinu vai kothiyo. Tini hole unhalai dekhera dando wat gare tarah kothi le jahi sanka gare. तब ये सूती निर्क कहाँ आया रहा वन्नु वायो स्वर्ग रा पृथ्वी में समस्त अधिकार मलाई दिए का छा इस कारण जाओ रा सभी देश का जाति हरला चला बनाओ पिता रा पुत्र रा पवित्र आत्मा को नाम तीनी हरला पब्लिस मार दियो महिले तीनी हरला आगे गरे का सभी कुरा पालन करना तीनी हरला सिखाओ हेरा मायू को अंतिसम I'd encourage you now to pull out your Bibles and we're going to finish our journey. We've been taking a journey to the cross and now we're taking a journey through the cross to the other side. Matthew 28. Easter Sunday is the answer to the biggest problem of your life. Easter Sunday is the answer to the biggest problem of your life. One aid group based out of Africa tried to describe that problem with a tree. They called it the belief tree. Uh, They said, or actually they quoted uh, former President Woodrow Wilson, they said, uh, if you were to kick the person who causes you the most trouble in the pants, you would not sit down for a week. The, The major problem in your life is your beliefs. Now, I don't know, Jen, whether we can chuck that up, uh, but we have a, a graphic. There it is. It's probably better if it's an overlay rather than, you know, completely vanishing. There we go. I'll come over this side, will we? There we go. Uh, and you can see this is the major challenge of your life. Behind how you act is what you think is important. Behind what you think is important is what you actually believe. One of the challenges we've often had in the Christian church is that we've been very hard on people for how they act, but how they act is a result of what they actually believe. Uh, A hero of mine, Dallas Willard, says, you always act or live up to your beliefs. 
Nothing else is possible. You always live up to what you actually believe. Nothing else is possible. This world gives you a story. The pains and complications from your past give you a story. And Jesus turns up on Easter Sunday to give you a new story. So let's have a look at this remarkable story. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. You'll find the notes for today's message in the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, I also find it helpful to have a paper Bible. Let's turn the house lights on, Matt, so people can actually... There we go. I really encourage you to uh, pull out your paper Bible as we, as we go through this. Uh, after the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. One of the things that Matthew makes clear is it was the disciples, the, the 12 blokes who were called to be with Jesus, but it was the women who actually stuck around. And they are the ones who turn up on that Sunday morning. They were the ones who were there watching him be put in the tomb. And Matthew wants us to know that something seismic literally happens. As he says, a violent earthquake happens as the, the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, don't be afraid. And again, interestingly enough, the, the ladies are seeing exactly the same things the Roman soldiers are seeing and all the Roman soldiers collapse out of fear and the women are hanging around and saying, okay, what's going on here? And, and the first thing the angel says to them is, don't be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. And this becomes the traditional Easter greeting. Within a few hundred years, the church uses an Easter greeting that has been used every Easter week ever since. The leader will say, Christ is risen. And everybody else will say, he is risen Let's try that again. Christ is risen. This is the news. The very first people to hear what Paul calls the gospel is the small group of women who were faithful. And the very first people entrusted to tell other people the gospel are these women. The angel says to them, come and see the place where he lay. Come and see for yourself. Then he says, go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead 
and he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you'll see him, how I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, as they were running, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And can you imagine for Mary, Mary Magdalene, from, who had been tortured and relieved of the, the incredible pressure of the demonic oppression by Jesus and then gone through the heartbreak of seeing him on the cross and then all of a sudden he's there. And both women throw themselves at him. And it says they worshipped him. In the biblical way of thinking, worship isn't about the songs you sing. They didn't start breaking into a Hillsong chorus, in case you're wondering. No, it is having the right relationship, the right worth. Giving an attitude of complete submission to something. Then Jesus said to them, not only did the angel say, look, I want you to go and tell the boys. But Jesus looked them in the eyes and said, yeah, thanks for being faithful. You better go and break the news to the boys. I'm here. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they'll see me. This is one of the strongest arguments for the historicity of Jesus' appearance. You see, if you're going to make up a story that Jesus rose from the dead, you wouldn't have the women meeting him first. Because at that time, tragically enough, women were regarded as property and were not legally able to testify in court. And so the fact that this story becomes handed down says something profound about how God respects and trusts women and how it is actually the women who in this moment are the brave ones and who are entrusted with the gospel. But it also says something about the historicity of this story. Interestingly enough, the earliest recorded version of the gospel we have is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 which was the the little like we have done back in the 80s we had things called tracts uh, where you'd hand them to people and they had little comic book things in them and they'd show people how to become a Christian back then they had a standard way that they would share the gospel and Paul says look this is the gospel that's been handed down to me uh, and for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. This was what they would tell people who were wanting to know about Jesus. And what they said was that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas or Peter, then to the Twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. What do you notice? It doesn't mention the women. The women get very quickly written out of the story because they're not regarded as reliable witnesses. Which, 
And it's interesting for me, you know, God could have appeared to however, Jesus could have appeared to whoever he wanted to appear to. And we have lots of discussions about whether women should preach or not and all that kind of gear. But Jesus himself chooses first to appear to the women and to ask them to be the first people in history to share the gospel. Well, there is another group of people who are rushing off from the tomb and they are the guards. Well, it's actually some of the guards. You'll notice it says some of the guards. Uh, And interestingly enough, these Roman soldiers go to the Jewish priests, which is not their line of authority. That's not, they're not actually accountable to the priests. But they go there knowing their lives are now forfeit. They've been given a job to do and somehow they try to explain what happens and they know that the fact that the body is missing means that their lives are now at risk. And so the Jewish leaders conspire with them to tell a story that a whole Roman garrison of highly disciplined soldiers all chooses to fall asleep at the same time. And people believe the story. And so the disciples, it's not clear how many are there, head off to the mountain. There's been debate about which mountain they head off to. It may well have been the mountain that uh, the Sermon on the Mount was given to. And we now come to the important moment where you get a new story where the whole of history changes and you're given a job to do. As Jesus turns up on the mountain, just as God the Father turns up with Moses on the mountain and gives Moses his marching orders, now Jesus turns up with his followers on the mountain. And I I love this verse 17... When they saw him, they worshipped him. They go, ah, fantastic, you're here. But what's the very next thing it says? Some doubted. (laughs) Good to hear that, isn't it? These disciples that have been on such a journey, a real roller coaster are seeing the Son of God appear in front of their face exactly how he said it would happen and yet some still doubted. What I love is that Jesus doesn't say, okay, let's deal with your doubts before we go any further. You, you have to know, have no doubts at all if I'm going to be able to use you. He doesn't. He doesn't say that at all. Jesus lets the disciples both worship and doubt, some of them. And so it's important to hear that if you sometimes have doubts, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't have a story for you. Because the very next thing Jesus says to them is I've got a job for you to do. 
And what enables that job to happen is the fact that the whole of the cosmos, the order of the cosmos has now changed. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What does he mean by that? There was a reason Jesus had to die on the cross. There was a story that was dominant in the world that in order to change things, you needed to grasp for power. You needed to be the bigger bully. And Jesus came and he showed a different way and he defeated the power of the powerful in the most incredible judo move the world's ever seen. He defeated the power of sin and death. This is exactly what he tried to tell them. It's interesting, when the devil took Jesus, was, came to Jesus out in the temptation in Matthew chapter 4, his final temptation was, you don't have to do this. I'll give, you the, I'll give you the nations. Here's a shortcut. Satan said to Jesus, all, as he showed him all the kingdoms of the world, all this I'll give you if you will bow down and worship me. It's clear that Satan had some kind of authority to be able to do that. And Jesus actually says... Uh, as he talks about his, his death in John 12, he says, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Somehow what happens on the cross means Satan is defeated. He no longer has power and sin and death no longer have a right to tell you what your story is anymore. says all authority in heaven and on earth is now mine and so what's the very next thing he says what's the very next thing Jesus says therefore go Jesus says I have the power, I have the authority. That's exactly what Daniel had prophesied would happen in Daniel chapter 27. In the Old Testament, there's this story of the one like the Son of Man coming and appearing before the Father with, and the Father gives him all authority. Jesus now has all authority and he looks into the eyes of his disciples, some of whom who are still doubting. And he says, I've got a job for you. There is an old story you live by. But there's now a new story of life and health. There's a, a new story that means it's time not to be stuck anymore. It's time not to hold back. It's time to move forward. Go. For some of us, Jesus saying go will literally mean going. It may mean, as Paul found out, leaving Nepal and coming to Tasmania. 
For some of us, though, going will just be geographically staying where we are, but making sure we're leaving behind the old story, the story of sin and death that wants to hold us back, the lie that you're not worthy, the lie that you've got nothing to contribute. It's time to leave that behind. That's what Jesus is saying. It's time to go. Go and what? Make disciples of all nations. Up till now, in Matthew, Jesus has been really clear, we've got to deal with Israel first. But now the scope of God's saving action changes, so it's the whole world. We're now all included. It's Nepalese and even Tasmanians are included in the scope of God's saving action now. And it's not just about, have you noticed, it's not just about people becoming Christians. We made a mistake in the 1980s of watering down the gospel to what we call four spiritual laws. And if we could get you to believe those four spiritual laws, you were in the club and that was wonderful. Those four spiritual laws are precious. They contain incredible truth. But just believing four theological concepts doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, go and make disciples. A disciple is someone who lives in the manner of their master. Someone who submits to their master, who says that their, the, the will of their master is more important than their will. We've got a, a diagram that we use to describe what it means to be a follower of Jesus that we bring up from time to time it's just, because it's, it's a process where we say for all of us to be a disciple of Jesus means our focus is on Jesus, not on ourselves and we're on this continual journey to become more and more like Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm not waiting for you not to doubt. I'm not waiting for you not to make mistakes We'll read the book of Acts and the disciples made plenty of mistakes. What he is waiting for you to do is to say, my life is not my own, I'm willing to follow Jesus and he's inviting you to demonstrate that in front of all your brothers and sisters by what he says next. What does he say next? Baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What is baptism? Baptism is a public statement that you're not in charge anymore. That your will is not the will that will run your life. Romans 6 says, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death. What happens when you are baptised and you go down under the water? What you're saying is, I am dying to my way of doing life. And when you come up out of the water, what you're saying is my life is no longer my own. My life is now under Jesus' authority, is what you're saying when you're baptised. 
Jesus knew we'd need reminders. That's why he instituted communion as a, a reminder to come back and say, oh, yeah, that's right. Oops, sorry, Jesus, took the steering wheel back for a bit there. You can have it back. And this is the ongoing journey of discipleship. Too many people want Jesus as a mascot, but not as Lord. Baptism is a symbol that Jesus is Lord. And as far as, as a church, as best we can, we just want to be a bunch of people who are letting that be true. Isn't, it? Isn't that right? We actually want to follow Jesus. The world has too many mascots. Too many people who go for the bumper sticker, for the cliche, and not for the Lord. And what does it mean to be baptised into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? What's the next thing he says? Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them. Who's them? Who's the them in that sentence? Everybody who responds to who Jesus is. Again, we just read that go, yeah, yeah, it's normal. In that time, at that place, to be saying that men and women, rich and poor, black and white, children and old people, to say all of them can be taught to obey everything I have told them, that, that little kids and old, old folks, that black and white people, that men and women all can be followers of Jesus, that was radical, that was not normal. It was normal for a rabbi to be surrounded with male followers, younger male followers normally, hanging on his every word. But the idea that them, that we're all in this story, that's historically radical. And what are we taught to do? To obey everything I have commanded to you. To obey all that Jesus is about. As a church family, we know, don't we? We've got a way to go. We're all, this is a, the journey of discipleship, the journey of sanctification. We don't have it all together. Imagine what life was like for Peter where he heard in the upper room, Jesus says, as the Father sends me, so I'm sending you. That's exactly what he's saying to us right now. And I bet you Peter in that moment would be saying, but Jesus, I can't. You saw. And I bet you there's part of you that would be saying something like that too. Jesus, I can't. I don't have what it takes. Maybe the person sitting next to me, maybe, maybe one of the ladies wearing those special scarves, maybe they could go, because they're obviously special. We've got, for those who are online, we've got some quite remarkable scarves that have been worked on in the last little while, telling the story of Easter. But this is the story. Jesus, in his response to Peter, asked Peter, do you love me? Jesus, in his response to us, says, I don't expect you to do it on your own. What does he say? What does Jesus say? And you need to hear this. 
What's the last words of the book of Matthew? Surely I am with you always. A lot of people have faulty ideas about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. They think they've got to do things for God or under God or they'll fit God into their agenda and so they'll be, they'll be over God but just have a little bit of God when it works. But Jesus comes and says, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want you to do things for me, over me, under me. I want to do life with you. Yeah, you don't have all the answers. You don't have what it takes. But the incredible news is that the God of the universe wants to walk with you out of this auditorium this morning and into the streets of Hobart. And to do life with you. His agenda for you is that you would become free. That you wouldn't be held back by that old story that tells you that you don't have what it takes. That reminds you of your failures, reminds you that you are small and inadequate. Just like Peter's story was telling him, now he says, come, let's do this together. And on this Easter Sunday, the incredible news is that the story that the world wants to tell you, the story that your history wants to tell you, isn't the truth. The Son of God comes and invites you to the adventure of your lifetime and he wants to come with you on that ride with you. He doesn't want to leave you alone. Today is the most important day in history. as we celebrate this moment, Easter Sunday. Jesus is alive. Let's pray. Jesus, as we come on this Easter Sunday, we want to say thank you for who you are. Thank you that you call us to a future that is not determined by our pasts. Thank you that despite our doubts, despite our fears, you call us forward in your name. Thank you that you invite us into your story, which is so much better than our story. Help us be open to the whole life you have for us, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen.